Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, nigga, it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the What up, everybody? It is time for a, another special edition of the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky, relegated uh, to the midday Mitch afternoon show. Uh, usually we won't do these. Uh, last week was kind of special circumstances. Couldn't make the regular show due to work. Um, and, but then we had the trade deadline, a lot to talk about. So uh, this week had work again. Wasn't planning on doing another one of these, but given all the White Sox news that came out, figured might as well let it rip again. Uh, as always, show brought to you by Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. You can read uh, up-to-date stuff on the White Sox tire fire. The Cubs are exciting. You can read about them. Bears training camp as well. Everything you really need. Chicago sports, Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. And Uncle Bud's yet to receive a residual check. I don't even know if they're actually sponsoring us, but, uh, you know, go there. Drink your sorrows away. I hear it's a good place. Zo- that's what Zoe tells me. He seems like an honest man. You know, you don't like it, take it up with him. But uh, let's get into it. Um, the White Sox, they're rotten from the inside out. And it's been going on for a while. And now all of a sudden the flies are starting to show. Uh, so you probably saw the report from Jesse Rogers, ESPN, of uh, Keenan Middleton coming out, basically exposing the uh, dysfunction that's in the locker room right now. There's players sleeping uh, in the bullpen. There's no leadership, no accountability. You heard the whole thing. And then Rick Hahn came out. And, you know, I'll give Rick Hahn some credit here. He would make an excellent defense attorney. He went through uh, all those points slowly. Well, well, you know, the guy had a medical condition. He had to sleep in the clubhouse and try to refute all of them. Uh, We'll get into that in in a second. But this is how you know, like, all that stuff, even despite him refuting all of it. Because the White Sox have lost all benefit of the doubt here. But where there's smoke, there's fire. I used to be on the golf team in high school and golf is like one of those weird sports for high school sports. There's really no officials out there. So everyone just kind of got to police yourself and you could tell who was cheating right away. The coaches could too, because like, you know, like if someone like accused you, you could usually be like, no, I wasn't cheating. Like that didn't happen. And like, what are they going to say? It's like, you're like, they don't know. But if you get a bunch of reports of people complaining, like, Hey, I think he's shaving strokes here. I think, you know, he's kicking his ball over here. You get a bunch of them. Eventually the coach is going to find out like, yeah, this guy's probably cheating because there's so much, Smoke like where there's smoke, there's fire. That is how they always caught the cheaters. With the White Sox, it's the same thing. So, like this Keenan Middleton thing is just the latest. I'm just gonna go down the list of recent memory of like the shit show that has been this dysfunctional clubhouse. Because you know, I'm like I'm pretty confident every almost everything he said 
what was true because other players are confirming. But let's go back even because this has been going on for a while, th- these cultural problems. That's how you know it starts at the top down. Uh, but back even in 2020, right after Rick Renteria got fired, there was a report from Ken Rosenthal saying that veterans were complaining about the lack of accountability in the clubhouse when they were searching for the new manager because you saw a lot of like veiled tweets from some veterans, Dallas Keuchel included, kind of taking shots at Ricky saying there wasn't really any veteran leadership. So that was one of the issues. And I think that's why Rick Hahn tried to bring in some of these guys like Yasmani Grandal and all these people. But then later in that uh, season too, Dallas Keuchel also called out the Sox for just kind of going through the motions, just showing up, not really putting in like extra work. So that was kind of like the first uh, warning sign there. Then we had the following year when Tony's in there, you know, there's all that nonsense going on, but there was the Bob Nightingale report talking about clicks in the locker room, which probably was Dallas. I think Dallas Keuchel is kind of ahead of the curb on a lot of this stuff as much as we don't like him. Cause he sucked. Um, I think he was right about a lot of it because he was the first one to leak and Liam Hendricks was on, you know, defending the locker room afterwards. But like, it's like, yeah, there's clicks here. It's really dysfunctional. People aren't doing work. Um, and then Liam Hendricks is on the radio. He calls out Dallas Keuchel, but he even acknowledged, you could even hear in Liam Hendricks when he was defending it at the time on Waddle and Sylvie, or he was like, yeah, like he acknowledged he isn't really a leader. And a lot of people like the Keenan Middleton report were saying like the pitchers are kind of the only leaders on this team. So that was also like that whole thing. You're like, Hmm, that doesn't sound great either. Then you had the Tim Anderson video when he was named an all-star. You had the one before, the first time he was named an All-Star, how happy that clubhouse looked. And then the second time, how dead it looked, which was very telling. A lot of people at the time were like, oh, you don't want to overreact. But yet, like another brick in the wall of the issues that were going on inside here. Then Jose Abreu leaves, and he's talking about how the White Sox aren't a family. And he hardly ever talks. He said at one point he wanted to re-sign with the White Sox. If the White Sox didn't sign him, he would re-sign himself. He's saying, yeah, they're not a family in there. Uh, So that was telling. Tim Anderson is on that podcast kind of talking about his baby mama drama. Um, and he was like, yeah, like I don't have a whole lot of friends in the locker room. Like I just kind of go about my business by myself. So there's another thing, like one of the key players of your team didn't really feel connected to anyone else in that locker room. Now, some of that might be on Tim, but like also seems like an issue. Then there was some rumblings. Lance Lynn was unhappy with the clubhouse culture. Then he also said he was unhappy with the way they kept him out of the loop. So you have another issue there. And Jake, this is the real kicker for me. Jake Berger, when he leaves first game, in Miami first game talking about that was the most fun I've had in a baseball field in a long time. The culture here, the way we like fight back is tremendous. Now think about that for a second. He's on the Miami Marlins. No one has ever said anything good about the Miami Marlins culture, like ever because it's not a good culture, but that just shows how bad the white Sox are. Like he gets in another locker room. This is kind of nice. The Marlins, they don't have a good culture. That's how bad it is in Chicago. Then Middleton comes out. Then there's the TA and Grandal fight rumor, which I'm going 70-30 it happened. I'll say 30 just because Grandal came out and denied it, but here's how you know like it probably did happen. As mine and Grandal like, never speaks to the media. I always keep track because you got to do a lot of like writing for sports mockers and blogs, like, you know, kind of who said what, like, after Grandal hardly ever talks to the media after games. So the fact that they had him come out there and address that report is telling in itself. And the fact it was so detailed, like, it wasn't just, oh, they, there was an altercation in the clubhouse. Like, no, they went into detail where he Grandal wanted to leave early, which, I mean, let's be honest, I could probably see that happening. And then T.A. was like, I'll pay for your flight out of here, which also could see T.A. saying that. <laughs> then Grandal walks over and slaps him while he's in the tub. Like, that's a pretty that's a pretty specific report. Pretty sure that happened, too. So I'm not taking Han. Like, Han has lost 
all benefit of the doubt going through his lawyer defense. And the funniest thing about his defenses too, because it was kind of one of those things like, yeah, I'm sorry, but didn't really take any accountability. Like, yeah, there's some locker room issues, but there's a reason for this. There's a reason for this. And then when he's trying to discredit Keenan Middleton, he says, yeah, well, I mean, he, he, uh, he got in trouble uh, right before uh, because uh, he was apologizing to me for his, uh, bad behavior in the clubhouse and acting unprofessionally. Uh, that's how you know uh, he like the, the culture is good here because the guy who said that actually was apologizing to me about how unprofessional uh, he was acting. That just like adds the problem. Like, do you like it's adding like you're you're admitting that there was yeah this reliever was also acting unprofessional in the clubhouse. That's kind of corroborating his story that it was chaos in, in there. So that. <laughs> Uh, that was funny is he's trying to defend uh, the culture there. And I really, it just added another, it's just like all these bricks in the wall. And this has been an issue too, because there was clubhouse issues back in like 2016. That's how you know it starts at the top down. And we can get into Pedro here for a second too, as he was trying to address this thing. And I'm not going to lie. I'll own it. Like I thought this hire was going to be, I like Pedro when they first hired. Him. I like the idea that they're going to have someone come in here he said all the right things. We're going to come in here and kick everyone's ass. We're going to change things the way we play baseball around here, do things the right way. I was the idiot. And that, that's what's so funny about this week is because I really, it's not even like sad anymore. It's just like kind of comical to watch. It's like a soap opera. Days of our White Sox, general jackass, man, general manager or whatever, the soap opera you want to call it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I bought it again. Like I said, this team was going to win 88 games. Pedro is going to win manager of the year. And boy, do I look like an idiot because it is clear he is way in over his head. And I'm not saying it's even his fault because these issues have been going on way longer than him. But it's obvious that when he came into spring training with a chance to address this cult, like he did. It's kind of like when you're back in school, when you know the substitute that comes in, that you're like, yeah, this guy, like we're we're getting we're not getting in trouble with this guy like we're gonna have a field day with this jackass so i think that's kind of like what it was for pedro because like he came in there and did not set a tone early on in that locker room and i think the player saw that and just continued to walk all over him and he just continued snowballing downhill and this is how you know it's bad and he was in over his head when he's trying to defend himself he said the word culture 15 times in 11 minutes like it's kind of like he got like that buzzword in his head which like Matt talks about with like that Tim Anderson interview, like he'll get his like buzzword. Just like, oh, culture, culture, culture. Like that's how you know shit's bad. I mean, and I can't even blame him completely because like I said, this has been going on for a while. This has been going on since Renteria, apparently, because there's reports that there was no veteran leadership in uh, the clubhouse. And I think out of the three managers, they all were bad, but Ricky was probably the, the best of the three, I guess, looking at it now. And it just continued to snowball and get worse. Um, so Pedro's not good. It's clear that he's in it over his head, but it's hard to put any blame on him because I think this has been going on for a while. Now, do I think he should be back next year? No. This is what happens when you bring in a guy as the bench coach. Now looking at it, because like I said, I was on board when they first hired him. Like, I'll, I'll own that. But now looking at it, like hindsight, the Royals passed over him for their manager. The Royals. They're like, yeah, this guy's in-house. Yeah, we're good. We're good on Pedro has he ever been a part of a winning culture? He talks about what he, he says he knows what it takes to build a winning culture. Does he, though, in Kansas City? And then there's those rumors that they wanted to bring in Salvador Perez. Like, good, great. Like, what are we going to do? Bring in George Brett next to be, like, the third base coach? Like, give me a break. And you know that there was Pedro's fingerprints all over. We're going to bring in all these Kansas City Royals guys because they have a winning team. Like, that's how we're going to model our franchise after. It's just a series of bad decisions. 
And you know it's not going to change. And the owner, you know, Jerry's over there yucking up with Bill Cower, who I'm pretty sure was only invited to be a smokescreen so he wouldn't have to talk to reporters, which I don't blame Jerry. I would rather talk to Bill Cower than reporters too. But good God, just a, overall such a it, – it's, it's, it's embarrassing at this point. And I, it's getting to the point now because, like I said, and this is what the worst thing is, and I think a lot of for, for like fans, I don't care anymore. And that's the worst thing you can do. Like before I would get mad at all this stuff when it was going on, like when they were first doing the rebuild, I had like hope, like, yes, like I'm invested in all these players. I'm really pulling for them. You're living and dying on every pitch, like watching all these at bats, you're watching all these minor league games. Like, you know, you care. And then when they're performing badly, you get angry. And I'm at the point now where I'm not even angry at it anymore. I do not care. And I think most of the fan base is in the same spot. And that's a dangerous place to be if you're in the White Sox. If you want people to spend money and invest on your product, and half the fan base at this point is so like numb to their bullshit that they don't care. That's not going to end well for them. Um, and I think that's the, there's a lot of people now just numb by all of the nonsense where they're just not going to care anymore. Uh, so we'll see. I don't think any changes are going to be made. Why would they let them make all those moves at the trade deadline if they intended on moving off of them? Uh, but it's been over a decade and we're about to have the third worst in the last 10 years. We're about to have the third worst record in the MLB right now. I think we're 26, but where the reds are, they're right behind us. They're probably going to pass us by the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, that's things. Now, a couple other things that came out, um, this week was Jesse Rogers was naming some names of players that were part of this culture issue. And the three he named, uh, was Yasmani Grandal. Eloy Jimenez and Yoan Moncada. Now, the biggest thing I had out of the three there, first off, was anyone really surprised with Yoan Moncada? I mean, the body language is terrible. He's out making, you know, music videos in the offseason. He's more like, I think Yoan Moncada, I don't think he loves baseball. I think he loves what baseball does for him money wise, but that's a guy you see him out there. It doesn't, it doesn't look like he gives it. Like, that was not surprising to me whatsoever. Um, you know, he makes a mistake. He pretends to be hurt. I think that's why the White Sox were kind of trying to trade him this deadline, but no one wants him on the contract. Eloy Amen is another one. Like, oh, yeah, it doesn't work hard. Yeah. No shit, he doesn't work hard. Do you see him in warm-ups? Like, that's one of the reasons I think it's so frustrating that he gets hurt all the time. If you go to one of their games and you watch him stretching in the stretch line, he's just kind of, like, over there, like, yucking it up, picking date. Like, he doesn't do anything. You see all these other teams, like, sprinting making sure to stretch out he'll do like a half ass like half grab like nah you know i'm just going through like you can tell he does like he's just so naturally talented and that's like i think he's wasting a lot of it because that didn't surprise me either the most disappointing one was the osmani grandal thing because they brought him in to be that he had been on world series the teams that have been to the post season battle tested once again when he came in a first year he was here at uh that prehistoric a relic known as socks fast don't know if we'll get another one of those again but he's talking about like how much film he studies and he's like all in and he's already reaching out to pitchers to play catch with them and all this stuff so i was like yeah this is the type of veteran they need and you find out like oh yeah he's no front of the pitchers yeah he's slapping tim anderson in, in the clubhouse like the complete opposite it's bad enough that he's always hurt and that he was supposed to be a defensive catcher and the defense deteriorated and he's supposed to be a power hitter and he doesn't hit for power anymore. So like, that's all bad enough, but at the bare minimum, he was supposed to be one of the veteran guys they brought in in that clubhouse elite. And so that was the one that really stood out as like, boy. And that's, goes back to Rick Hahn because he's talking about how bad this culture is. 
he was the one that signed off on all these moves. He like he this is his team. And like any jackass can trade good play. We talked about this last week. You can get a good return for good players. That's the easiest part of the job. The hardest part is finding guys that fit together in a clubhouse to bash. And he has shown constantly that he can't do. So uh that was disappointed, but not surprising for any of those three. Now on to the final thing we want to talk about here uh before we get you geared up for tonight's show. Pinwheels and Ivy, 8 o'clock, the big show. You can hear what they all have to say on all this nonsense that happened this week. I mean, the TA fight. I mean, we got to talk about that, right? <laughs> First off, that radio call, electric. The, I mean, even as a White Sox fan, that was one of that was a great radio call. I mean, down goes Anderson. Come on. I mean, that was that was an electric radio call. I don't mind Anderson trying to start that fight, like, whatsoever. I mean, it's clear these two teams don't like each other. This is a Cleveland team that's mocking us last year after they won the division. They're always chirping. You got Naylor doing like the rock the baby thing. Like, so like, I don't mind that he was chirping at him ahead of time. I don't mind that he's slapping down hard tags. What? It's like, what? It's, it's supposed to. It's sports. It's competition. Yeah. Fuck the guardians. Let him slap down a hard tag once in a while. So I don't mind that. And then, you know, Ramirez is going to get up and wag a finger in his face. Like, yeah, TA's probably like, I'm sick of this shit. He's going to defend himself. So I don't even mind that he started the fight. Um, I don't even mind he got caught with the hook. It happens. You know, it was funny, though, because I was watching it live, how hyped I was when he dropped the glove. And, like, it was clear the umpire wanted no part of that. He's like, all right, I I'm, I don't get paid enough for this shit. Like, have at it. <laughs> so he drops the gloves, and I'm all hyped. Now, he set up southpaw, which was little little strange. And so, like, Timmy two jabs uh, starts, like, swinging at him. And it looked like connected one. I'm like, yeah, let's go, Tim. Let's go. And then just clock. Like, knock the fuck out, like. It was a lucky swing. Let's be honest. It happens when you get into a fight. So that was embarrassing. And it's probably going to follow him the rest of his career, no matter what he does. And Tim Anderson's always going to be remembered for that clip. Every time the White Sox play the Guardians, that clip's going to be the first thing that comes on the highlight reel. So that's unfortunate for him. Uh, and it was clear that he got rocked because he looked like a baby giraffe trying to walk out. He needed like three guys to hold him up. Now, this is where I have the issue with what Tim did after that. This is where he made an ass of himself. He has like 12 teammates holding him up, walking, like walking him back. And now that he has this wall of defense, after just getting bitch slapped in front of America, punched, I guess, if you want to call it that, lucky ass way. But after getting dropped in front of America, um, now he's going to start, continue to talk shit. Like, what are you doing? He looked like a moron trying to get back into the fight as they're all dragging him back after he can barely stand, just got knocked down, and he has a wall of defense. Like how salt? Like come on, that's a that's a tough look, Tim. And then he goes on Twitter. Now, mind you, Tim barely complete. Like he barely tweets out literate sentences anyway. Like it's very hard to understand what he's tweeting like half the time because like he doesn't tweet out complete sentences. But then he has this like he, he's going on his Antonio Brown arc of like nonsense tweets about the fight that made him look even worse. So I think he kind of like. At that point, you kind of just got to be like A.J. Pruszynski and, like, own it. Like, yeah, you got knocked out. You just got to own it. Uh, and I think he did more harm than good with his actions post-fight and uh, with the Twitter tirade right after the fact. So that uh, that tough look for Tim. I think it is bullshit that he got suspended an extra three games, but I'm at the point of the season, like, doesn't really matter. I mean, we'll get to see some prospects, I guess, get some much-needed reps. But – We'll see. There's no reason Grandal, but going back to him, there's no reason he should be on the team by the end of the, like, what, as soon as Corey Lee's ready, like, get him up, get him some reps. There's no reason Grandal should be on this team anymore. Like, get the, him the hell out of here. I get Jerry doesn't want to pay him for just, like, sitting on his couch, but, like, he can't be here. 
And the fact that the, all the pitchers, which we'd said on the show too, like who's the leader here? Like, cause they don't really don't have one. It was like mostly pitchers. It's hard for a pitcher to be a leader. Cause they're only pitching one should be like, I think Lance Lamb maybe was one Dallas Keuchel tried to be one, but then he was performing so badly. Like no one could take him seriously. Like I, that's the other issue. They had no position players that were leaders. I think Jose Bray led by example, but he wasn't a leader. Like he was not exactly a leader, unfortunately. So but not, not, nothing surprising. You know, this has been rotten for a while. Now, all of a sudden, the flies are starting to show. It's a tough scene. I think you got to tear it down to the studs, completely start over. The problem is Rick Hahn's still in charge. He's going to continue to be in charge. I think the only accurate thing he said defending everything was calling White Sox Twitter cesspool. That it is. But, damn it, it's our cesspool. We can say that about White Sox Twitter. You can't. So, another reason, fuck Rick Hahn. Um, Yeah. Sad state of affairs. I hope they have a success, but they won't after all this came out. They don't want to answer any of this. That's why they canceled it last year. They're cowards. Like that's the only reason they canceled theirs and no one else had it. So hey, you know what? Cubs are pretty good. You know, that's the reason you should tune in tonight. The Cubs, I think, have a chance to make the playoffs. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. Now the problem I've seen is they have three starters that aren't giving them very productive outings, which two you can overcome. Three's a bit tough. So Stroman's got to figure some stuff out really soon. Smiley's got to get his act together because uh, that could be a hindrance. But the bullpen, which I thought was one of the concerns, was like looking pretty strong for him. All of a sudden, they cut ties with Trey Mancini and they start playing well. So that just goes to show. Trey Mancini was my guy in the offseason. I don't know ball. So thank you guys for listening. Um, despite the fact I don't know ball for the last 20 minutes, make sure you tune in tonight at 8 o'clock uh, for Pinwheels and Ivy, the main show. This is a, like the double-A version I got relegated to for all the NASCAR talk they sent me down. Unlike the White Sox, they take action. They're not afraid to make moves up there, pinwheels and ivy. But, yeah, tune in tonight, 8 o'clock. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This Padres pitch is shitting bricks right now. Why? Because Danny fucking Burgess is up and back. Guy just started Shake Shack straight to the dugout. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, nigga, it all changed.